Some of my earliest memories of outings with my dad included our weekly trip to our village library. It was walking distance from where we lived and housed the largest collection of Dr. Seuss books I had ever seen. There was story time with a lady who, while dressed like a clown, would narrate to us, and her puppet energetically performed all the voices. I had my own little tote bag for my books and loved knowing, as my father frequently reassured me, we can always go back next week and get more. As I got older, the library became a place to either study in peace, away from my kid brother, or research some god-awful paper I was assigned and didn't want to write in the first place. As a teen, my high school library also served as a great cover to get out of study hall or to look up something random like the capital of Montana. That was the extent of my library knowledge. Now I knew they provided more than just reference materials and books, and as an adult and journalist, I had attended my fair share of community events there. But I never considered the full extent of their service to the community. If somebody's experiencing an opioid overdose, if you administer the Narcan, it can reverse the effects of the opioids. Matt Fister is the director at the Thrall Library in Middletown, New York. And in addition to books and public meeting space, the Thrall can offer life-saving assistance. So I became aware of a program that will uh, give you free supply of Narcan and training, and just uh, kind of for the Boy Scout motto of let's be prepared, I said, okay, come on in, give us the training. So uh, myself, I have about five staff people who were trained. Uh, initially, we were trained on a one style of Narcan administration, which uh, was a little more complicated. It had pieces that you had to put together for the kit. Recently, they've upgraded it, and it's made it more like uh, a regular nasal spray that you would buy at the pharmacy for congestion. Uh, so I received a brief retraining in that. So currently I have a few staff people, uh, mainly myself, my administrative assistant, and uh, some of my security staff who are trained in the use of Narcan. A few years ago, Matt came across an experimental program that provided free training in administering the life-saving drug. Middletown, while once a prospering middle-class Hudson Valley city, in recent decades had fallen on hard times. Downtown became dotted with vacant storefronts as businesses left, and a lot of people found themselves struggling to find enough work to make ends meet. Soon, Thrall Library became a common site for opioid overdoses. In back of the library, off library property, um, a woman was in a field laying down. Somebody had said, uh, alerted me in my office, I think there's a woman sunbathing out in the field. And it seemed odd, so my security person, one of them went out to go check and found a woman who was apparently experiencing an opioid overdose. She was not responsive. She had insects crawling on her. Um, so he came back, and this was about two weeks after I received the Narcan training. So he came back in the building, said, boss, grab your kit. I grabbed the Narcan kit, we both went out there, we administered uh, the Narcan, uh, we were able to revive her, she did um, come out of it after about a minute or two. Um, we called, called EMS, uh, when she came out of it we said, you know, ma'am, we think you've had a, a drug overdose, we've called help, help is on the way, just sit tight. Um, you don't know how people are going to react. Uh, she was very, very upset. 
Um, she was crying and upset. I, you know, but some people could get vi you know, could get violent. You don't know how people are going to react. That particular woman was lucky. EMS came in enough time to take her to the hospital to get treatment. But deciding whether or not to intervene on an overdose isn't something Matt takes lightly. Do you want to watch the person die in front of you? No, you don't. So if you have the training, you might as well go ahead and, uh, and administer it. Now it's no accident that so many people in crisis find their way into the Thrall Library. As Matt walks me around the outside of the building, he explains Thrall used to be the town's Erie Railroad Station, and they've since added on to the old structure to create the library as we know it today. This was a newspaper stand, uh, this, this whole thing. This, they sold, they refurbished it, and when they did the addition, they moved it out here. It was originally supposed to be the reference desk, but it, it didn't work as a reference desk, and it was originally in that room. So people would come and buy their newspapers there before they got, got on, on the, the train. But now, their downtown location almost guarantees people in crisis find their way into the building. We're in the back of the building now. We're in back of the reference area that I've shown you before. We're in between a soup kitchen, which we'll walk around the front of the building, but the soup kitchen is up over to the left. And over one block this way, and then to the right, is an overnight warming station at the United Methodist Church, St. Paul's United Methodist Church. They can accommodate up to 30 uh, homeless people a night. They go in at 9, they get a meal, they do some screening, they talk to social services just to collect data. Um, they get a cot, 6 o'clock they get uh, woken up, a cup of coffee, 7 o'clock they're out back on the street again and many times they come right from that warming station and they queue up in the front and they wait for the library doors okay. all to right. open. Now this is not to say that all homeless people are drug addicts or that all drug addicts are homeless. The opioid epidemic crosses every single geographic and socioeconomic line and so addressing it requires a multifaceted approach. I think right now we're, we are just up against it with this epidemic and, and in fact like in the last couple years it's moved away from from heroin and prescription opioids and we've now factored in this illegal fentanyl which is coming into the country you know shipped in from China and through Mexico which is even more lethal than heroin um, and so that that is had a significant impact so when we think about things with that in mind uh, it's sort of an all hands on deck as far as we're concerned Rob Kent is the general counsel at the New York State Office for Alcoholism and Substance Abuse Services. His agency funds, regulates, oversees, and certifies addiction treatment, prevention, and recovery services. He says New York State spends about $200 million a year on treatment services, and so librarians like Matt Fister at Thrall Library in Middletown are an important part of the solution. You just never know right now. It's just, it, it's staggering on some level um, the, the scope and range of this epidemic. And so having people, you know, trained and prepared to deal with what might happen, um, I think is a good thing.
And it's not just librarians. He says the Department of Health runs several opioid overdose training programs, including one that requires insurance companies to cover Narcan kits so they can be picked up at drugstores. Now at the Thrall Library, Director Matt Fisterer says ensuring everyone with regular interaction with the general public is prepared for an overdose crisis just makes sense. You're liable to have uh, somebody come in and say, I need help, you know, I, I'm out of it. Or um, sometimes with uh, fentanyl, it's so strong, somebody could just suddenly collapse. Uh, there's a danger period, I learned this in the training, of three hours after they ingest an opioid. For three hours after they take that dose, they're susceptible to having an overdose at any point in those three hours. It could be immediately after they take it, or it could slowly um, build up in, in their body. So, uh, and with so many folks, uh, you know, using, using the opioids, um, uh, it's better prepared. Matt's proactive stance on helping his community even caught the attention of Hudson Valley Congressman Sean Patrick Maloney. In hopes of helping more librarians nationwide be prepared, he introduced the Life-Saving Librarians Act, or House Resolution 4259, for you policy wonks. If passed into law, the bill would award public grants to libraries in high-intensity drug trafficking areas to purchase and train to use Narcan rescue kits. Hudson Valley cities in New York's 18th Congressional District, which Maloney represents, have seen an increase in opioid overdoses, and many have happened in public libraries in Middletown and neighboring Newburgh. Communities traditionally use libraries to have informational, aware, you know, awareness sessions about issues like the opioid crisis, so that's definitely something that um, a library could step in and fill that role. Um, right now, though, um, I think that there are a number of programs that are available, and one of the things that we do at our reference desk is we're constantly referring people to social service providers, to places, very discreetly. We have the information, um, and we do get people that come in here, uh, and they're not just asking what what's the capital of Montana you know they're asking you know I'm new to the area can you know what are my housing options I'd like to you know continue my education I want to look for a job all the traditional things that li libraries are doing um, and we're continuing to do that librarians are pretty hardy people they're adaptable um, I tell my staff here you guys cut your teeth in Middletown, you can go anywhere and do this job and because you're Middletown tough. And I think a lot of urban librarians have that same kind of attitude, like it's it's guerrilla librarianship, you know, it's like you're you're in you're in the field, you know, and uh, although there is an opioid epidemic, I've never felt like there was a time where we weren't functioning as a top notch library and providing outstanding service to the community. And that's what I've been missing about the service that a public library can provide. For many people, Matt says libraries serve as the information hub for social services available in the community. We see folks in here that have every possession they own they're carrying with them in 
uh, garbage bags, shopping bags, duffel bags, book packs, uh, wheeling. We see people wheeling through the library with suitcases. They just got off the bus. There's a bus station across the street. And we are giving information. We were referring those people to uh, types of social services that um, might be helpful uh, to, to them. So absolutely, that's a library's, I feel strongly that's a library's role, is to direct people to resources that can improve the quality of their life. For some people, it's looking for a job or trying to go to school. For some people, it's finding a bed, a place to sleep that night. But in addition to being part of the solution by saving lives, helping people find jobs, go back to school, or just learn something random, like the capital of Montana, Matt says the Thrall Library is part of Middletown's burgeoning renaissance. A big part of it is making the, down, the entire downtown area walkable. So instead of pulling up into a space and you know parking just to go to the library, you want to spend the day in Middletown. So you're going to find a parking place, you may choose to walk on the Heritage Trail, have a lovely walk, ride your bicycle. You may go to the skateboard park. You can go to any number of uh, fine restaurants. You go to the library and, and check out some books. That is, um, there's schools that are coming around here too. So libraries are really provide essential infrastructure for education. Libraries are education. They're um, you know, the, people's, the people's university or the public library and they're vitally important. He says a recent $10 million improvement grant from the state is also helping to revitalize the city and cites a brand new skate park behind the Thrall Library as well as a wildly popular microbrewery, Equilibrium, that has hundreds of patrons lined up around the block every Saturday when they release a new line of beer as proof that things are turning around. He says it's the first time in a long time that he's felt genuinely optimistic about Middletown, New York. The library is the heart of the community. When you come down to it, the library is the community. It's, we're governed by people that live in the community. We're thinking about what the community, what services we can provide to help the community. And now more than ever, when people have every single option to just come apart and sit in a room and entertain themselves with whatever they want, Libraries are great because that's a place that the community can come together um, for a program, for a story time, for, um, uh, for a discussion about issues like this. So I think that that role is even more important now in an age of you know, compute, personal computing, smartphones, social media. A lot of that has a kind of pulling apart effect and libraries, you know, people, people want to feel like they're part of a community. People want that, people want that. It's one thing to sit and, ooh, I got a little red flag on my Facebook page. That's exciting. But you know, you do, you want that human connection. You want that place to go to feel like you're part of a community, to talk to people that maybe have different opinions than you do, but talk to them uh, in an educational way so that you can learn where each other's position is coming from. You're not just posting something that to rile people up, you know, it's a, it's a different thing. Now, while Matt Fister understands that his team of Narcan-trained library staff, ready to intervene in an overdose whenever necessary, may make them seem like superheroes, 
but he really just wants to help Middletown foster a stronger sense of community. And if being Narcan trained can help them achieve that, it's a necessary means to an end. I think there's a misconception, especially about this um, Life-Saving Librarians Act, that librarians are trying to be Florence Nightingale, and, you know, I've always had this secret desire to have patience at the library. We're not trying, you know, I want to have book discussion groups. I want to talk to you about how great Middletown for All Library is. I, there are a number of other subjects I'd love to talk about, but the opioid crisis. So not so much as a librarian, but kind of as a, a neighbor, a citizen, as a community resident. It's good for all of us to, to be prepared, especially now when it's kind of at the epidemic uh, stage. Hopefully the more information the more resources that come out into the community, we can get a we can get a handle on it, and we can reduce um, you know the the numbers that are going on right now. So um, I I don't think that librarians want to be doctors or public. The librarians want to do do their job. And their job, well, they do it well. Before I left Thrall, I asked one of the librarians, Helena is the capital of Montana. Thank you for listening. Want more of the Metro Focus podcast in your ear? Subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please remember to like Metro Focus on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a question for me or any of the Metro Focus staff, ask us on Twitter with hashtag MetroFocus.